Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. A lot of quick announcements for you this morning before we get into the hot topic. First and foremost, let's congratulate some people for getting their first or next deal done. Folks, I just love doing this. Hopefully you don't mind this, uh, but let's celebrate people's success. One rental at a time is helping uh, and it feels great. First off, Jay and Joelle, congratulations. I believe this is number two for you, so congratulations. Holden. And Sean, congratulations, folks. This is a father-son combination. Uh, They actually reached out on Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram, you need to because I'm getting some fun book selfies. Sean went ahead and sent me a book selfie of him and his son in a car. And we're going to send two cards out. One for the dad, one for the son. If I had to guess, Holden's probably... Eight, maybe? So, very cool to see father-son doing the business here in real estate, which is awesome. And I can't forget, Eric, congratulations for your first or next deal. Folks, your cards will go out today. If one whistle at a time helps you in any way, you let me know. I will mail you one of these cards. This is my contest. I am being super liberal in this because I want us to hit the number. Frankly, I want us to blow it out. Uh, because I want to give some money away to the food bank. I want to do something crazy, like dye my hair purple, so you'll all remember that one rental at a time is here for you. Second of all, as you know, let go of my headphones. You little turkey. Sorry, she got my headphone wire, or he got my headphone wire. Uh, As you know, I report my goals every Sunday, and yesterday's goals were kind of interesting. The numbers were down across the board, but yet, I still think we are make, we've turned the corner. One rental at a time is helping more and more people. Most of that is because of you, and you are letting me know. You're sending me emails. You're sending me direct messages on IG. You are taking book selfies. I have seen a noticeable uptick in communication from all of you, and it fires me up. So if one rental at a time is helping you, please keep it going. Uh, it's, it is... Uh, I know we are helping people. I know the course, How to Get Started, One Rental at a Time. I know the books, Instagram, this channel. I know we're doing good work. Uh, Even though the numbers were down, I still feel really good. And lo and behold, while the numbers were down last week, we had five members sign up in the last 24 hours, actually the last 12 hours. And uh, hopefully that will get us to over 1,000 in the Facebook group. So lots and lots of good stuff. Last thing to announce, sorry, lots of announcements, but I finally got some books from Amazon. I got the hardcover new book, and I got the paper OG. They did not send me the full hundred, because it turns out 
This book's on fire right now. Uh, it actually, if you go to Amazon right now, it says it won't even be shipped until the end of the month. Thank you all for your orders. Keep it up. Let's really push Amazon to order or make or bind or whatever they call them, lots of these books. So thank you for that. Uh, but what we're going to do here is I have 36 of these, I think. 36 they sent me. Uh, I'm going to sell them for the same price Amazon does, 50 bucks, except I will autograph them. I've decided on a message for each book, uh, and then I will ship out of that. The $50 is shipping to the U.S. If you want to do it for another country, I'll figure out the shipping cost, and if it's near the same, no problem. If it's crazy, we'll have to work something out. So what I would like to do is if you want these, um, you can send me a direct message on Instagram. If you have my email, go ahead. Uh, I guess the easiest way is PayPal. Uh, we can work that out. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to send... I have. 36, I think I counted. Uh, so we'll do 36 of these. 50 bucks, easy peasy. Just need an address, and I'll take PayPal, I guess, is the easiest thing to do. So after four minutes of messages or whatever, notifications, let's get into the daily financial news. First and foremost, China is slowing down. It's slowing down just like I told you it would. Uh, China GDP got reported for Q3. Uh, it was down and below expectations. It was down to 4.9%. Folks, I believe most of that downturn was the last month. The last month. And we're going to get into some housing data in China in a moment. But GDP is a big deal. I believe the CCP, the Chinese central government, is not ready for what is already baked in the cake. I believe uh, that... They've done enough things to, yeah, destroy consumer confidence. And as my conversations with Greg Dickerson and Jonathan Twomley have all kind of shared, when that happens, the human condition retreats. If you make the future financial wealth or income iffy in any way, consumers retreat. And I believe the China's GDP hit a freaking wall in September. And um, yeah, and those uh, already asking for my Instagram handle, I know you are going to be shocked. It is one rental at a time. I am rather consistent. So, yep, if uh, you want to get the books, that is my Instagram uh, handle. And then uh, we'll work out whatever exchange is there. But yes. China GDP, I, I think China is going to, uh, their recession starts Q4. That's, and a, again, a recession is two quarters of negative GDP growth. I believe they are going to get walloped in Q4. So we shall see. Uh, in the U.S., the 10-year note should not be ignored. It is once again above 1.6. Uh, I, I checked this morning. I think it hit 1.62. Uh, this is uh, just the realization that inflation's real. It's not transitory. If you're following me, you would have known that. We are in a wage cycle, and it has just started, and it will be years in the making. Something else I saw which is very um, discouraging, might be the right word. I'm going to say discouraging. The wealthy 10%, the wealthiest 10%, which... I think we're in. I'm pretty sure we're in. Um, owns 89% of all stocks. And again, I got zero. So I'm not in that. 
And the reason I bring this up is if the, if the, if the stock market goes through an adjustment, PEs collapse, earnings get hit, freaking Fed, uh, I don't think comes in and bails it out. If the Fed is about this, uh, you know, protecting the little guy and all of that nonsense that they've been talking about recently, I don't think the Fed comes in if the stock market has a hiccup. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, when 10% of your population has 89% of the stock, and a lot of that's 401k and pensions and things, totally get it. But still, that's, uh, that's not everybody. 10% is certainly not everybody. Uh, then talking about supply chains. Uh, supply chains hurt twice. Uh, I've really gone in and dug into a supply chain and how this impacts kind of us, the average consumers. Uh, first and foremost, for me, it really hurts small businesses the most, specifically small business manufacturers, retailers, things of that nature. These are individuals that are not big like Home Depot or Walmart or Target. These companies are freaking renting entire container and shipping ships or container ships. Joe's Auto Parts and Sally's something something don't have the ability. So one of two things will happen. If you can't complete your good or you don't have them, you either A, one thing, you could pay for like... Um, um, Instead of freight on a container, you could have it shipped via airplane. There will be some companies that do that, but guess what? Costs go up, prices go up. I believe a lot of small businesses, and now there's a lot of YouTube channels talking about small businesses going bankrupt. Yeah, that'll happen. But I believe what will happen is the entrepreneur spirit will kick in. They will simply order with air freight. Then they will jack up the prices. Again, what have I been telling you this whole time? Companies, CEOs can pass on higher costs without pushback. So these small businesses that normally would be remiss to raise prices, now they're like, shoot, my widget that used to cost $7 to ship now costs $70. I'm going to jack up the price $50 bucks and, and cover my cost. So again, small businesses certainly will be hurt, but I believe many will choose air versus ship, at least in the short term, and they will simply pass on the cost to you and me. Next, here's another problem when your shipping or your supply chain gets bamboozled. You as a purchasing manager do what? A, you pay air like we just talked about, but what you do next when you do your monthly or weekly or quarterly or however you are ordering, you double up. You used to order 100, you order 200. You used to order 1,000, now you order 2,000. Folks, there's a lot of um, inventory padding going on in the supply chain right now, and that is, well, it ain't good. And uh, that, that means that just goes to show you that the supply chain will be hurt for a while. And these double ordering could turn into triple ordering. This is what happens. Consumers, purchasing managers, they are very easy. They get a phone call from the CEO and says, why don't I have this widget? Sir, it's stuck in China or Hong Kong or wherever. And they're like, get it here. Okay, great. I'll pay 80 bucks to have it shipped on a plane. And then the next time to avoid that call, they're going to order two or three times as much. Next, 
just-in-time manufacturing is going to take a back seat. People are going to be doing these double orders and keeping more inventory. This is going to show up in balance sheets. Folks, one of the reasons that balance sheets look so pristine is they don't have a lot of inventory sitting there, right? They have a lot of work in process and finished goods, but they don't have raw material. Just-in-time inventory is going to take a back seat for the next couple of years. Companies are going to order and sit on stuff. They don't want to be caught short. Next up, manufacturing. There will be, without question, some more onshore manufacturing. Onshore manufacturing coming back to the U.S. would be great. It would help jobs, all of those things. But remember, it costs more to build manufacture here. So again, what happens? Prices go up again, right? Onshore, higher salaries, higher wages. We get hit twice. So the consumer, because of the supply chain snafu, is going to get hit twice. Once for the higher shipping costs and second for the higher wages. That's why this is sticky. That is why this will um, take years to work itself out. Yesterday, I did some research or shared some numbers with you on Boise real estate market and why a slowdown is in the making and not a crash. I was asked by some people I respect to share my thinking. Uh, so instead of doing it privately, I'm going to list it out here. I did eight things to evaluate a market, which you can do yourself. One, never compare a current market to a market that has been has suffered government intervention. If you are comparing 2021 Boise or 2021 any, any real estate market, don't you dare compare it to the bottom of 2020 when there was no inventory because of evictions and we told you to stay home and all of that stuff. Any comparison to 2020 is not to be appreciated. It is not a normal market. If you are making investment decisions, you wanna know about a normal market in Boise, that means you should compare to 2019. 2021, August or September against 19. Don't you compare it to 2020. The only reason you compare it to 2020 is because you want to scare people. The numbers look wacky. Again, inventory in 2020 for Boise had like 440, 434 and a normal market was almost 1,800. How is that normal? So any increase in inventory is going to look crazy in a percentage and you can make scary videos and nonsense like that. Next, you need to understand that real estate is nothing more than a supply-demand equation. So go figure out the supply and the demand for 2019. This is really easy to do. I googled a local paper. It broke down all of the counties. Uh, and as I recall, uh, they did, they had 1,624 in inventory and that was the first month that they had in 41 or 51 months, uh, they had sales growth. So Boise was coming off of a very, very low base. Then you have to compare the current. The current. What is going on now? Where is inventory now? Where is demand now? And as you see, while inventory is up in 2021, it is still way behind our base year. So we still have a supply problem. Next, you have to ask about the market. Real estate is based at least somewhat on the economy. So what do jobs look like? What does employment look like? Unemployment, what is going on? And as you will see, Boise was hot in 19. 
From memory, I think they were under 4% unemployment. Now they are under 3%. Wow. Uh, then you have to ask about the demand side. Is there any external thing that happened that pushed demand? Well, as you saw in my research, in 2021, there were over 10, no, 7,000 Californians moving to Boise. That's a lot of new people, a lot of people that likely sold a house here and bought a house there, so they were not as price sensitive. Um, you should also ask about cost of capital. Again, in 2019, the average 30-year mortgage rate was just under four. Now it's under three, or at least it was. Then what I did is I asked about total supply. I didn't know how big Boise was. Turns out, again, the numbers were in yesterday's daily financial news. If you want to see them, I'm doing today from memory. I think there was only like 136,000 homes in Boise, single-family homes. Why is that important? Because if there's only, call it 150,000 homes, that's total supply. At any one time, they have 1% to 2% listed. So that's between 1,500 and 3,000. Now you take 7,000 Californians, throw it into Boise, they ain't ready. They're not building enough new homes. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Prices shoot up. So there you go. That's how I did it. That's all the research I got. And again, I think Boise is slowing down. I think Boise has seen several years of appreciation slammed in a six or nine month period. They've gone from 350 in 2019 to like 536 or something, 526. So crazy appreciation, certainly over 40%. But that doesn't mean that Boise is going to crash 40% like some channels are calling for. Do the research, ask what's going on. Uh, I just spoke with a um, real estate broker in Boise and right now I'm trying to raise, uh, arrange a call with the um, Boise State Economist, right? Her name is Jan, I think. Anyways, I have an email out to her. She's responded. We're trying to get back. So I want to talk about what she sees going on out there. So a couple more things. Zillow. Zillow is stop buying homes. It turns out, folks, shh, shh, this is a secret. It's a lot easier to buy homes than flip and sell for a profit. Shh. When you create an algorithm that makes it easy to buy, guess what? You buy a lot. Flipping homes, not so easy. Timelines, inventory backlogs. When, when your engine is focused on buying and your systems and processes are less than robust, you get a huge backlog and uh, you got a lot of capital tied up. So it turns out that Zillow now realizes that, wow, we can buy a lot really fast and probably overpay because, again, they're losing money. But flipping is hard. They're not good at it. And uh, losing money eventually hurts, right? If Zillow lose enough money, Zillow CEO will be fired. That's just how it works. Wow. Um, China, uh, Evergrande. Again, this is something that reminds me of the Great Recession. Right. Remember Ben Bernanke saying, blah, 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 we'll be fine. Blah, 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 we'll be fine. The Chinese government is saying Evergrande will be fine. And frankly, I agree. I think Evergrande will be fine. It will be broken up into parts. People will sell this. People will sell that. It will be all good. 
Evergrande will be a blip in the radar. But the problem, just like the Great Recession, is you've damaged the consumer. The average Chinese citizen is going into retreat. No longer are the millennials thinking they want to save for a decade and buy an apartment. They're like, damn, that hurt. My buddy's father's mother's blah, blah, blah got hurt. We are never going to own. Now you're restricting who can sell. You have damaged the psyche, wealth, income. People believe that real estate was the path to a better future. Not no more. This is just starting. You already saw in the very first thing we talked about, China's GDP is hurt. This, uh, they could start, their, their recession could start next, uh, this quarter, actually, the quarter we are in, October, November, December. And it's all because they damaged the consumer. It's not Evergrande. Evergrande is the, the match, maybe, but it's not the kindling. The kindling is consumer beliefs. They're going to stop buying. Their, and then to prove a point, housing sales. If you're going to buy a home anywhere, especially in China, where they're priced 40 to 1, you know, income to price, which is crazy, highest in the world. Guess what happens when the consumer gets scared? They stop buying. August, down 19.7% year on year. Let's round that to 20. Not to be outdone, September, down 17%. Can you imagine what October is going to be? October could be down 40%. Right? A lot of the transactions that were being done in August and September were signed in June and July. It takes time to close. This is not a stock or crypto purchase. Oh, China, you're in trouble. You did it to yourself. Frankly, it was a decade in the making when you look at the, what they've done. Uh, in addition, if you're part of my Facebook group, you saw Jonathan Twomley post a wonderful article about comparing China with Japan. It's in the Facebook group. I think it was, I think it was Saturday night, but I saw it Sunday morning. And then finally, I don't know if you've noticed this in the U.S., but it really appears baby boomers and millennials kind of duking it out in the housing market. And right now, baby boomers are winning, right? Baby boomers, folks over 60 have been the largest percentage of home buyers. And most of that is because they are selling a home in California and buying a home in Boise, for example. And again, they are flush with cash, so they can pay the extra 20, 30, 40 grand as required, and they are happy as clams. Millennials, first-time buyers, FHA, three, three and a half percent down, it is tough. Saving the down payment when real estate's going up this fast is tough. I feel it. Uh, this is why I think we're going to have government programs for first-time home buyers. Uh, I hope there are some requirements around it because, again, getting on the property ladder is awesome, but staying on the property ladder is critical. I would hate to see us repeat 06, 07, where a lot of people got on that just fell off. That was traumatic. That is something you don't want on anyone. So, folks, enjoy your day. Have a lot of fun. Remember, I got 36 of these books. I will be autographing and leaving a little message, and I will be shipping out. For those of you that bought the mentoring option, uh, your books are free. I've already got yours autographed uh, and ready to go out. So have some fun. Again, my IG handle is one rental at a time. And if you're not following me there, what's up? It's easy. One rental at a time. Take care, everyone.